Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 182 of Getting It Out podcast. That was cognitive with From the Depths. That's that's off of their recently released, very recently released record, Malevolent Thoughts of a Hastened Extinction. That's tough for me to say, but it just came out on last Friday, July 16th on Unique Leader there. Of course, a brutal death metal band from New Jersey. So uh, go check that out if you haven't yet. I'm sure you'll love it, and if you love that, you'll love what's happening on this episode as I have Matt McGacky, the vocalist from Cryptopsy. He also does Vox and Hops podcasts. We'll try to equally talk about both, but mostly talk about Vox and Hops because uh, <laughs> we have a pretty common interest there. And while death metal is cool at all, and I like it and I listen to it often, um, I talk to plenty of death metal artists. It's not often that I get to talk to a beer connoisseur like Matt, so we went pretty in-depth. Which means the interview is a little long, a little longer than usual for Getting It Out podcast. So I think I'm going to take the unconventional approach for the podcast and go straight to the interview after the Hot Zone intro music. So let's do the short version of that and get straight into the episode. Check it! Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me! All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Where you getting it out? Hello. Hey, how's it going, man? Very good, you. Very good. I don't know about you, but I just put, I just finished reading a chapter of Charlotte's Web, so now I'm ready to uh, talk about some metal and beer. As Perfect. yeah, <laughs> what do you got there? What's that one? Uh, Cryptopsy, the the Cryptopsy beer. Oh, that's so. I was listening to um, the 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 brutal North America kind of wrap up, not wrap up or explanation, whatever you want to call it, earlier today, and that sounds like that one's from a little while back, isn't it? That's correct. It came out. In last fall. Last fall, okay. And it's become like a staple that he just has to keep brewing because people want it. That's great. That's awesome. Whether they're Cryptopsy fans or not, they just like the beer. Yeah, you got to imagine some people don't even know who the band is, but you know. No, they have no idea who the band is. <laughs> <laughs> and then if, if we keep going, then I'll follow it up with the, uh, the oh, Cryptopsy nice. Brewing North America nice. one. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, like I said, let's just let's kick this thing off. The, the, you are Matt McGacky, right? Um, yeah, you got it. Vocalist of Cryptopsy, and uh, you do the Vox and Hops Metal podcast. Which I don't know, I don't know exactly when the podcast came on my radar. Of course, I've known Cryptopsy for for a long time. You know, going I don't know whenever the hell I came across death metal, but uh, but the podcast, I, f- I feel like I want to say I, I read something, I read about it somewhere, and uh, in one of the many beer metal things out there. And uh, somehow came across it. And I've been listening to nearly every episode since, which is, I don't know, it's, uh, obviously you do a podcast, but I don't know how much podcasts you listen to. I used to, but now that I have a podcast, I find I don't. Right, significantly fun. less, no? right? Yeah, yeah, same same here. But what, what I find is interesting about yours is that the reason that I keep listening to it is because you basically, you got this nice niche that I appreciate both things I greatly appreciate both things um and it's if it was just doing if you're just doing metal or extreme music or whatever you know I would pick and choose which episodes I would, I would listen to but because you have this beer thing in here too it makes me want to 
it makes me want to learn something as well because I don't know a whole lot about it. And I've only probably going less than a year ago really got into the whole craft beer thing. So, so for you, um, I told you when I found out about the things that you were involved in, when did you get interested in the things that you're involved in? When did like, and we'll just go back to, I know a question that you ask sometimes, but when did you discover heavy metal and how did you get involved in this to start? Uh, extreme metal came very late for me. I was a new metal child. I grew up, uh, good with, for you. With, so was I, 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 I still love a lot <laughs> yeah. of it. I love a lot of it. Good. So, so my dad was an avid, uh, mainstream rock fan. So heavy guitars and, Loud drums was a thing of, of my youth, and then being a complete rebel against my father, I right. hated anything with guitar solos. Any band that I heard that had a guitar solo was old, old dad music for me. <laughs> so I wanted something completely different, and I found that in the form of Marilyn Manson. So, so that yeah. was something very shocking. I was probably 15, 16, probably 15. When I discovered Manson, it was really when he had his big hit of well, either Sweet Dreams or uh, once Antichrist Stu- Superstar came out. That's really sure. when I became a Manson fan. And that, that was really, it was because it was scary. It was odd to look at. There was something about it. The songs were aggressive. His vocals were strange, uh, yet super interesting to listen to. So that all developed there and from Manson I got into Slipknot I got into all the other typical Deftones um Corn was a big one obviously um and then it just kept evolving into heavier and heavier but at the same time I was also listening to a lot of like Tool mm-hmm. and a lot of Incubus a lot of the clean vocal stuff because I was a singer I I primarily am a singer a clean vocalist I always wanted to be a singer it's something that I always wanted to do so 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 as a kid, I would imagine myself on stage. I wanted to be that guy. And as I got into a band called Three Mile Scream, which was my first Montreal-based band, I was in a few bands before that in my hometown of Two Mountains, which is just located outside of Montreal. So my first Montreal-based band was really supposed to be a Taproot meets Seven Dust style okay. band. Like when, when we initially started out, that was the goal of, of Three Mile Scream. Uh, we ended up playing with a bunch of heavier bands in Montreal because that was what was going on. And Montreal is a hub for extreme metal with mm-hmm. Cryptopsy, Cataclysm, Core Guts, uh, Despised Icon, Beneath the Massacre, Ion Dissonance, all these bands, Quilvatus, were making it here and were successful here with that. So a lot of the rest of the bands uh, that we were playing with tended to be heavier. So we wanted to get heavier to match them. At the same time, Kill Switch Engage had come out, Shadows mm-hmm. Fall, Lamb of God. There was a huge influence on the band of that. So then my clean vocals became more of like a let's do the choruses clean and let's try to do a bit more extreme vocals, which at the same time I was dabbling into Mike Patton a lot. So I was into already like pushing my voice in a different direction, trying to, to create strange sounds uh, a la, you know, System of a Down and then Mike Patton definitely was a huge influence right when I started Three Mile. And then it just kept evolving, evolving until I bought Kill from Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. And and for some reason, I don't know why I bought that record. It's the one with the most boring just, album cover. Just Kill, from them. right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the moment, I, I, I remember picking it up. I don't know why I picked it up. And I listened to it, and I was like, holy shit. This is the shit. It was so damn good. And it yeah. was almost like a... a, a 
Return to Form for Cannibal Corpse, which I did not know at the time. It was like an album that really a lot of the old school fans really enjoyed as well. So so George's vocals were just so damn good, and that was it. And I wasn't in three uh, Cryptopsy at the time. Eventually I fell into Cryptopsy, and that was just a happenstance because they wanted something different, and that's what I could provide. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, wanting to be do the band good, uh, performing Lord Worm songs, performing Mike DeSalvo songs, that George Corpse Grinder influence, uh, and then touring with Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation. All these influences pushed me to become more of an extreme metal fan. Well, that's a that's a that's a great history and rundown. Uh, there's so many. Sorry, sorry, I'm a podcaster. Answer right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna crack this. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I uh, I cracked one here too, and I it's I think the only thing. Ooh, this is oh, Drew. Oh, you nice, you nice. Get your own glasses. That's very Ooh. cool. Have to. Hmm. I had to. It was for my one year anniversary party. I. Brewed my first beer and I got glassware for everyone. How long did it take you to hit that? We're gonna we're gonna jump all over the place. How long did it take you to hit that one year anniversary? One year. One year? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many episodes? How many episodes was that? I think I was at eighty two or eighty three. So, yeah, because you bump out well over well, at least, like two a, two a week at least, right? I do two a week at least. Yeah. Yeah. At first it was one a week, and then. It would depend, because at first it was, Vox and Hops was really supposed to be not a virtual thing. It was supposed to be two people backstage in a tour bus at a bar having a conversation and me recording and putting it out. And it would really depend upon whether I was on tour and I was touring with people that I could have conversations with. Right. Or if I was, there was tours coming through Montreal, which Montreal being a, a super hub for tours coming through, sure. I was very lucky. And, yeah. and then like a tour package would come through and I would I would know at least four of the band, so I would record four interviews. So it would depend on how much content I had right. when I would release one or two episodes a week. But uh, I typically, at the beginning, did one episode a week. I was very happy with that pace. And then I would go to two sometimes if I had too much content. And then when the pandemic hit, I realized everyone was home and we could do it like this yeah, virtually. Yeah. And I realized everyone was home and I was like, I can talk to whoever I want. <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to buy them a beer. They, can, <laughs> they have to buy their own, in fact. <laughs> they can buy their own beer. This is amazing. So so I started doing that. And at that point, I started, during the pandemic, I was doing three episodes a week because I was just mm-hmm. recording interviews just about every day. Yeah. Because I didn't know when it was going to end. You know, at the beginning of the, pot, at the pandemic, we weren't, certain how long this was going to last so i wanted to you know maximize my amount of connections that i could make during the pandemic and then i realized that this was sticking around for us so i went back to two episodes a week with every once in a while i dropped three episodes a week but that's typically still, i do two that's episodes still a lot a week and that's enough yeah. yeah that's a lot um the the it's funny that you mentioned the beginning of the pandemic and recording more then that's that was the same for me i've i stuck with my one a week from the from the whole time because i I felt like I was same thing. I didn't know when it was going to end. I didn't want to set a precedent for being for doing more. Basically, I wanted to keep my bar low, you know. But I, I started getting I, the same thing with everybody was home for interviews, and lots of people were looking for interviews too. So, so, uh, so I did a lot, yeah, and I did a lot with. But everybody was available. It was nice. I could talk to I could talk to anybody I want from Europe. I just had to be up at six o'clock in the morning to do you know to do their. Yeah. interviews but it was it was a cool way to stack them up and you know i had a lot of episodes with extra people but it was a it was a uh one of the one of the bright sides of 
of the pandemic for sure. But definitely the, the best part of the pandemic for me was, was <laughs> right. to get keep the podcast moving to, to talk to whoever I wanted to really or again because I'm sure just as much as I do we have a bunch of publicists that hit us up yeah trying to get artists on the podcast to talk about it because now podcasts are actually being or have been for the past few years like considered a true press format right, right. a true interview format and nobody can tour so they want artists <laughs> to do as much as they can to promote these albums that sadly uh, might some of them might be forgotten which is really sad yeah, that's a, that's a th- well, that's the thing at the beginning that I thought it was going to be. I thought it was. A, I don't know. I keep going. I still keep going back and forth on whether whether they should have released records, bands should have released records, or sat on them, because I felt like you kind of had a captive audience, and maybe by the time you're out on the road again, everybody's at least familiar with the record that you put out. But at the same time, I might have forgotten about some records that came out, especially that, right at the beginning. There was yeah. like a few huge records that came out that I'm not sure had the impact that would have happened later in the pandemic because everyone was really freaking out at the beginning and not necessarily <laughs> consuming music the way that they do mm-hmm. before the pandemic and now throughout the pandemic. So so like bands like Black Dahlia Murder, Testament, those two records specifically, there are monster releases and I don't feel like anyone really gave them the attention that they need. So we'll see if they have to redo something faster before they hit the road again. Mm, yeah, Although Black Dahlia is going on tour already. No. Yeah, yeah, they're already heading out there. Undeath after the burial, a couple more. Yeah. Undeath, yeah, so stoked at Undeath. I love those guys. Well, I think they, I think they had one come out during the pandemic. Um, they did. But okay, all right. So wait, let's, before we talk about everybody else, <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to you. So, so when you're you're talking uh, coming up in Montreal, the the you have your more mainstream sounding band. You know, at least that sounds like Taproot, Seven Dust, um, and you're trying you're playing with these more extreme bands. Was there was there any gatekeeping there? Did you have a trouble getting no, into that? Or is Montreal it was a pretty... Big, it was a big family. Yeah. And, and we really fell into this... Montreal's like a very bilingual city, but sure. for some reason at that point in time, the scene seemed to be a bit more diversified into an English scene and a French scene. And we quickly fell into the English scene, which is not a thing anymore. Once like you become like Cryptopsy and everyone, we, we are all bilingual bands half right. of Cryptops is French I'm English same thing with the other bands but at that point for some reason because we were organizing our own shows you know it's like friends are going to work together right? and it's the way that it is but it quickly over the years like we would mix because we would see bands like Mines which uh, became Mythosis which was Chris Donaldson's band who's now in Cryptopsy with me and got me in Cryptopsy um, we were like damn these guys have like kids lining up around the block we got to play with them so that quickly <laughs> went away but at first at first at first no it was there was no gatekeepers we were organizing our own shows doing really cool things uh do it ourselves diy di do it yourself diy yeah, uh there was uh, this guy big metal james uh who organized these huge huge shows it was like free shows and people would come it was called big metal fest so much fun we were probably one of the first big shows i ever played uh just awesome 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 that's well you mentioned a couple of times now that you kind of, or you touched on ending up in cryptopsy. How what happened? How, you, how did you, how did you really get there? It's uh, Chris Donaldson. He's a producer uh, here in Montreal. He's been doing it for years. He's one of the most talented producers, mixers, masters out there. Mm-hmm. He's done the new Shadow of Intent, uh, Beyond Creation, The Agonist, a whole bunch of amazing things. Cryptopsy, uh, Despised Icon. He's just killing it. Yeah. Um, so. 
he recorded Three Mile Scream, and just like today, I was at his house two, three weeks ago. He's like, Matt, you want to hear my new mix? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to hear your new mix. <laughs> so he shows me his new mix. So that's what he did back in the day, and it was my band. And Flo was in a state of wanting to do something different, to incorporate clean vocals. Lord Worm had returned to the band, and then they, he had left the band again. Uh, Flo wanted to do something different. So my voice spoke to him, and he was interested in getting me into the band. So he asked me. I said no. I wanted to make it with Three Mile Scream. I wanted to do this on my own. And then I played a show with Cryptopsy, and I was watching them, and I was like, fuck, I made a mistake. I should have said yes. <laughs> so right after that, the leader of Three Mile Scream left the band uh, because we, for reasons. And uh, as soon as I hung up the phone with the leader that left the band, I picked up the phone and called back Flo and said, did you find someone? And he was like, no. So I ended up in Cryptopsy that way. That's very cool. It's very cool. Well, I mean, not very cool if somebody else had to go down. But, I mean, Cryptopsy has to have a level of regard a certain level of high regard in 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 the scene up there right like you're not just stepping into you're not filling small shoes and i know specifically with that band that people really revere the lord worm stuff so you you were you're putting on big shoes basically and it's and then you were trying something different right so how did that all go for you initially it was terrifying, and it was not just, like, I knew that Cryptopsy already had a diverse fan base because there was the Lord Worm era fans, mm-hmm. and there were the Mike DeSalvo era fans, and they both didn't necessarily agree upon anything except that they didn't like me, so that made me <laughs> very happy. And um, so it was terrifying. I was not ready. I was a new metal child that became a decent metal core singer. Mm-hmm. Definitely not a deathcore singer, which was I was labeled as. You were, yeah. As much as I enjoy <laughs> Despised Icon, that was not what I was trying to do or what I was interested in or Suicide Silence or any of those bands. I never listened to those bands. I was yeah. a pure metalcore singer that fell into an extreme metal band. So I did my best is really what I tried to do. I tried to scream as deep as I could and as high as I could and write catchy clean parts and it's an interesting album it's it's definitely not the best cryptopsy album and it probably shouldn't be a cryptopsy album but it is and uh, i'm happy that it's uh you know it's we it came out in 2008 so yeah that's 13 years ago now that this is behind me <laughs> does that does that make you the longest tenured i am the longest yeah. tenured Cryptopsy singer that will always be the new singer. <laughs> right, right. I've, I've joined the ranks of Derek Green. Yeah. The, and... <laughs> it's funny because today I, I was talking to a friend of mine who does another podcast and we were just going over what what we got coming up, who he's got, I got. And I said I was talking to you tonight and I put in quotations the new the new singer yep. of a crypt, yeah, and and he knows exactly what I mean, and you know. But it's it's funny that that and that's that will always be the case, right? You won't ever be able to get rid of that. I'd imagine. Yeah, and, yeah. and I love them both. I just I was just hanging out with both Lord Worm and Mike DeSalvo for when we recorded uh, this little mini interview thing to talk about the song "Cold Hate Warm Blood" because the uh, brutal North America beer is called Cold Haze Warm Blood. So right. I wanted to create something special to go in the mini doc about that so i hung out with them for a morning drinking some craft beer at a, a really cool microbrew here called a uh, borregal and they only do dark beers and i brought them there because i know mike loves 
stouts, but I also know that they can do some strange classic style beers, which mm-hmm. um, Lord Worm loves. So, so that was really cool. And I found out that Cold Hate Warm Blood is really a, a fucked up story that I've been performing for 13 years <laughs> that I had no idea what it was about. Uh, it was really messed up. Fucked up enough to stop doing it? No. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> right, right. Lord, a... Worm, yeah, Lord, Lord, Lord Worm got his girlfriend pregnant. <laughs> and uh, she went to go get an abortion. And as he put it, they only got one of them. Oh. And the other one he found it on his body after. Oh, and, they, he, and, and he kept it. <laughs> they, they kept it. And that's what Cold Hate Warm Blood is about. And yeah. I had no idea. But it's worth watching that video if yeah. anyone wants to. Yeah, you that... can drop that in the link. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> That would be in the description there because uh, his his delivery of, of his storytelling is is very very right captivating. right it's it's important <laughs> storytelling we all know that um, <laughs> so so you did that you joined Cryptopsy um, you you've been like you said you've been doing it for thirteen years now if not longer and uh, when do, so when does when does Vox and Hops show up how does Vox and Hops started because I was staying at home. I have uh, two children now. I had one child at the time. And uh, I worked full-time as an early childhood educator, but I took a year, a sabbatical, to stay home with my daughter Mm -hmm. before sending her to daycare and to spend time with her when she was about 18 months. That whole process of year, that time of her year, sorry, that whole, that one year of her life, I was home with her. Can I I interrupt you and ask one question? Just, uh, just for the difference between uh, America and Canada, what's that? Are you, is that easy for you to do? A sabbatical? Well, I guess you can do that because you're in education, right? But well, I can do that. We we have like uh, rules and regulations regulations in place, and every five years, at my place of work, I'm allowed to take a sabbatical if it's for something like going back to school or something with your children or well no i just asked that now because like if i were to say which will never happen again but if i were to have another kid they would be be like well i hope you have your vacation saved up because like that's i don't know how it goes we're really lucky here the you can split one year if you want with your spouse uh, or you can get you get five weeks as a the male partner well That's pretty good. It's really good. I, I got it's lucky really when mine was born and that she was born on the 4th of July or the week before the day, the day before the 4th of July. So I was able to, to use that one day. That um, I, I, I know. <laughs> it makes, no, America's really good at a lot of things. Not, <laughs> not that, not, no. Not that, no. Okay, so anyway, I cut you off to ask that question. I was, so, I was staying home for yeah. that year. We, we don't watch TV much with my children even today. Back then, just about nothing. Uh, so being from Canada, the winters get are long and uh, it gets dark very early around 4 p.m. My wife would get home around 7, 7.30 for supper. So the days felt long. So I listened to just about every album that I ever listened to in my life and went back to them, all of my new metal favorites. I revisited everything and then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to start listening to podcasts. I had been a guest on the Jasta show with Flo Mounier was both of us. And I was like, let's start with Jasta. Let's see what this is all about, this right. podcast thing. So <laughs> started listening to podcasts. I'm a little bit of an obsessive person. Uh, Listen to everything. And then I went on to the X-Men with Doc Coyle. I went on to uh, Off Camera with Sam Jones. And I, you know, Mark Marin. what the fuck. I, I enjoyed everything. I thought it was so interesting. And then I went to dinner with my wife for her birthday 
um, and we went to a microbrewery, of course, and had a, a few beers and exchanged a discussion. I was like, I think I can start a podcast. I think I can do this. It's like Cryptopsy was doing very well at the time, and uh, I saw everyone in the band doing very well personally as well. Mm. With Flo having just, he had just told me that David Vincent was going to be a part of Ultimas, his new project that he's working on now. Um, Chris is doing extremely well with his studio. Ollie had just told me that he was joining Cattle Decapitation. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> right. I'm going to be jealous. I know myself. I'm, you know, as much as I'm happy for them succeeding, I know myself. I'm going to have that pang of jealousy. So I needed a project for myself. So. We came up with the name that night. We came up with pretty much the concept. Initially, it was just going to be singers, hence the, the Vox part right, right. of Vox and Hops. But uh, I quickly disbanded that and got rid of that and decided to open up as Vox, just meaning conversations. So, And the beer thing was just so easy. I've, I've been an avid craft beer enthusiast since about 2013 is really when everything just started opening up for me, and I discovered... Um, the flavors and the profiles that a beer that can be so much more sure. a few notable notable beers and it's once I moved into my condo here is really when I became crazy about it because I went to this store near my house and there was this beer it was biological I had to try it because I was trying to get healthier <laughs> so I buy this beer it's called Le Castel Yakima IPA and that was it it just Boom! It was like an explosion going off in my brain, and I had to try everything, and I haven't stopped since. So, well, that's that was of course going to be something I was going to ask you how you got started on the craft beer thing, and and uh, I know myself. You say 2013. I remember drinking craft beer in 2013 and before, right? But mm-hmm. I, but I never, but I was still buying. I was still, if I was drinking, I was usually drinking to get drunk at the bar. But I was also, mm-hmm. I was also 20 something, right? And I don't think it was until that I had my daughter eight years ago where it was like, all right, I'm taking my time with these things now, <laughs> you know, and if I'm, if I'm going to buy beer, I'm going to buy something nice and I'm going to drink something nice, right? What, what, what are you drinking? I, I meant to ask. What, I, what I have now is um, what's called, I don't know how well that's in the, Col- yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to read that correctly, but Coleman. The terroir. Terroir experience, yeah. Um, <laughs> where uh, we got the. Yakima, yeah, yeah. Um, boys. Yeah, in, co- in collaboration with Coleman and Yakima. So, um, yeah, this one's a local, local-ish brewery, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. That, they, honestly, they put out so much stuff I can't keep up. Every time, every time I go to the beer distributor, it's, it's you know, it's you want to buy them all, but there's it's just too many. Um, but anyway, so so it was for me. It was only as I mentioned earlier, towards the end of last year, where I really got into buying the better, the higher shelf, you know. So with you, what made it interesting to you? What, like, were you were you much of a drinker before you got into craft I've beer? Always, I've always enjoyed drinking. Right. Uh, it's, it's something that I've always enjoyed my, you know, throughout my teens, since the, that first party when we were drinking just the worst beers ever. Yeah. Warm, <laughs> warm, lucky lagers at a house party. When we woke up the next morning and my friend had cereal, but there was no milk, so he used another warm, lucky lager as his liquid in the cereal. And uh, it was always a fun social thing, a fun way to kick back and relax. 
Uh, and then, you know, just to have that, like, finer version of it. To, to, and then the, the exclusivity of it. And the, you had to find it. You had to mm-hmm. taste this one. And then there was, like, the, expl- there's Facebook groups. Like, and then you see, oh, this guy's got this one. I gotta go, I gotta go get it. And I'd right. walk and I'd go to, like, multi, there's, like, a, a bunch of craft beer stores near my house. So I would, like, go to each of them instead of just calling them, which would have been much easier, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Though. That's like, I mean, that, that that to me reminds me of like record shopping. Like, I want to exactly. go. I want to go look through the bins. I want to see what's exactly. My my daughter likes to come. Well, sometimes she likes to come with me to the beer store. And while I love having her with me, I really can't peruse like I want to. You know, I want to stand in front of those coolers. And I don't. Cause I don't know about you. I I only go to the cooler. I don't want to get something warm because I usually want to drink no. it. I usually want to take it home and have it then. And beer should be kept cold. And right. Anyone that has a craft beer store that's listening, buy more fridges yeah. or buy less beer. Don't right. let beer die on a warm <laughs> shelf. It's very, very important. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And I was definitely going to bring up that having buying a craft beer and finding a craft beer back then, you can't download it. Yeah. So it's it's so cool. It's like a different thing versus music because music would be something that I would want to hunt before. Right. But now I would see this guy's got the beer. I see it on my phone. I'm like, I want it. I gotta get it. You have to get it. It's, it's one of those interesting <laughs> things, which is why it's fun to create band beers, because you can't download this. It's a horrible merch item because you can't ship it either. But <laughs> 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 but it's just so damn cool, you know. Like you can never have it at a show. It's a horrible merch item. It's it's just a novelty piece. I right. love it. <laughs> yeah, but there's but I that's that's like the only metal merch I want to buy. Any band merch I want to buy now, you know, at this point. Um, but like if if I look them over my shelf or fridge that's over there, there's beers in there that all they need to do is have the faintest band reference, and um, I got like a Sweet Leaf IPA over there or something. It's like all right, you got me. I'll take a Sabbath, you know. I'll take it, you know, whatever. And and uh, but, the, but the, there's been other cool ones, cool collaborations that made me discover collaborations with bands that made me discover great breweries. My favorite brewery is a relatively local brewery called South County Brewing. They they do fantastic stuff and i originally bought a bottle because there was a collaboration with the doom band wind hand and yeah. and i've never seen that beer again but i every time i go to the store now it's i check the south county section first you know look for something look for something new but um you're well informed at this point right you are what's the word as far as a beer the the like the wine sommelier what, what do you could what, what is this? Uh, I, I'm a craft beer enthusiast, but I am curating. Curating. Okay. Place. All right. So so what, how do I say all those words correctly? Because <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm definitely not. There's there's Cicerones, right, who are people that, that are actually that's trained. It. That's it. And have taken classes. I, I am not that. I, I am a person that has drank a lot of beer in his life, that enjoys a lot of beer, and has tasted a lot of things. <laughs> and I try to describe it to the best of my ability. I'm, I am not a professional, but I am curating a craft beer list. At one of my favorite local establishments, which are friends from years and years ago, they opened a bar yeah. right downtown Montreal, and it just happens to be one of the coolest bars in Montreal right now. So that's awesome. Have you have you personally like narrowed in on a favorite style? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a hazy IPA fiend. Like, yeah, that's for sure. Like even this, like we we made a pilsner, right? Right, but it's not a pilsner. It's a total bastardization <laughs> of a pilsner. It's called. A, we had to put New World Pilsner on it because any real craft beer enthusiast that would taste this would bastardize us. Just right. So it's crisp topsy pilsner supremacy, but it's actually a double dry hopped pilsner with mono mosaic hops 
which brings that juiciness of an IPA sure. into it. So. And then this one, of course, it, you know, it's a double New England. Right. I love New England IPAs. So, but I also so love I. a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, but if I had to pick one for the rest, rest, rest of my life, it would be the the New Englands. And that's, you know, it's they're full of sugar and delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my other favorite, if I had to pick like a close second, I can drink more of these, which is why I would choose them if I had to drink one. Right. But uh, a... a bourbon barrel aged coffee stout mm-hmm. love that like a nine ten percenter easily also one of my favorite styles of beer nice nice yeah well, I, I would take all of them but i'm with you on the the hazy and now and i know i know that's some that's somewhat of a dirty word to some enthusiasts they don't like the whole haze craze or whatever they want to call it but uh no they're over it. that's why it's, it's it's very popular every brewery has to make one just about and the most brewers don't even like them anymore. <laughs> they want to drink something crispy and clean, but you got to sell beer, and people expect everyone to have a New England unless it's like a brewery that's taking a stand. Sure. And and this is a part of our identity. We we make crispy beers. We make lagers. We we're not into following trends. There's a bunch of breweries that are popping up here in Montreal. Definitely, Silo. I'll shout out one right there. They just do German and Czech inspired ales and lagers and killer, killer, killer stuff. But you'll never find a haze there. Hey, T. Sir, and and I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for. I'm always trying to trying to try not necessarily a new style, but I always want to try everybody's take on on the style. And I think for for myself. I got it. When I when I really started getting into it, a friend of mine went up to. I'm here in Pennsylvania. He went up to New England and he came back with a with a, with cases cases upon cases <laughs> and made variety cases for people with uh, from like Trillium Treehouse, Fox Farms, and Vitamin C places like that. And ever since then, it's like all right, the bar has been raised for me. I can't drink at the second tier that I was at before. You know that yeah. <laughs> like like the beers that I liked before. Which were better than the bottom shelf, where it's just like this doesn't it doesn't ever it'll never be the same again. Uh, but it's uh, but for but it's tricky though, right? Because one, they're not cheap, and nope. two, the the content can be <laughs> a little too high at times. It's it's a delicate balance of, <laughs> of, of what is too much and what is what is too much. But uh, we were very lucky here in the pandemic and. and in Quebec, uh, I feel like all the brewers really stepped up their game because a lot we being so close to Vermont, mm-hmm. a lot of people would just drive down there to get their haze there. But with the pandemic happening and everything being closed, I think it sort of forced breweries to step their game up right. so that they can produce, or if it's just a happenstance that they happen to be just as good as <laughs> everywhere else now. <laughs> but Quebec is doing some solid stuff right now, so we're very, very lucky. But it is very dangerous. It's a dangerous game. But uh, you know, so is extreme metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. But um, the, do you do you have a favorite since you? Well, no, uh, hold on. Let's just go to this. Let's jump to the uh, brutal North America that you just. I guess technically you just wrapped it up, right? I just wrapped it up. There are two beers that are still down the pipeline that are coming uh, due to circumstances outside of. Beer is a living creature, right? You know, so so sometimes things don't work out the way that they were supposed to. So there are two collabs. Uh, one of them is still fighting it right now. The other one had to be rebrewed, so they are coming. But I am basically finished with Brewer North America. Yeah, Brewer North America uh, was born at the end of February, 
when I realized that we'd probably have another summer with, with no shows, no beer fests, no metal festivals, and I was bummed out, like super bummed out. So I wanted to create something special, unique, um, something that could help bands interact with their fans, breweries to interact with bands um, throughout, you know, probably the past 100, 150 episodes, I typically wrap up my interviews with, uh, if you could make a beer, what would you call it and what style would it be? Mm-hmm. And I love that question. I think it's so cool. I love making collabs. Um, this one right here, like this name, we created Cold Haze Warm Blood, the name. We came up with it probably five years ago. This is what Cryptopsy <laughs> does when we're, we're having fun on tour. It's late. I have lists of them in my phone of, of, of silly puns and silly beer names, ideas. So that's what I did. I, I started hitting up breweries. Uh, at first, metal breweries is what I wanted, whether it be like metal themed or uh, I knew that the brewers were metal heads or I knew that some of the brewery <laughs> played in a metal band. I stretched it as I kept going. But right. uh, at first I wanted 10. So I quickly hit like 15, 16, and here in Canada, we sell beer uh, in two fours and 24 beers in a pack. So I I set the goal of hitting 24 beers as a part of Brutal North America. I ended up hitting 22. So it it happened very quickly. So I would just hit up the brewery, see if they were interested. I would say, I'd like to pair you with this band. The band had to live in the state, in the province in the town close enough so that they could come to the brew day be there uh, it had to be a fit it sometimes so you set some fit. reasonable parameters then it, 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 had just, yeah, it, yeah. it had to be that way because i really wanted the band to be a part of it because making beer is interesting and a lot of people drink beer but they don't know how to make it or how sure what goes into it. it's the same thing on the opposite side of a lot of people listen to music but they don't know how much work goes into creating an album right so i really wanted to pair people together that fit and sometimes it works, sometimes it didn't. And that's cool. It's life. It's relationships. That's basically what I was throughout this whole thing, just a relationship enabler. Yeah. We set up Zoom calls and I would talk it out with them. What style of beer do you want to make? Um, we'd encourage them to film as much as they could. If me or my video content director, Chris Kells from The Agonist, who jumped into the project because I got him a beer early on. He was one of the first pairings that I set up with Le Ferpentau. Um, he would go film if he could, mm-hmm. and uh, it was awesome. It was it was really 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 cool and uh, perfect timing for this. So this is cold haze, warm blood, Kanawaki <laughs> uh, Brewing, same brewery as this one. I had offered Drew. I said uh, the the brewer. I said we could just rebrand Crisp Topsy for Brew North America. I'm cool right. with that. He was like, no, let's make a new beer. And I was like, fuck yeah, yeah cold go. haze, warm blood. So we have a song, <laughs> cold hate, warm blood. So this is double New England IPA with blood orange. It's just. Oh, and they released it last Saturday, actually. So it's eight point five percent. You would never guess, right? It's just uh, hazy, gorgeous, with a little bit of the astringency from the blood orange. So damn good. Uh, but yeah, Brew North America was massive. I started the end of February and I finished about a week ago. So it was a four month project for the podcast, and it it, it you know seeing everyone's happy faces, enjoying these beers. It makes it all worth it, whether it be the band, the brewery, uh, fans, uh, just beer people. You know, like right. as you were saying that, that you discovered that brewery because of Windhand. I'm seeing all these people just drinking these metal ass beers 
right yeah <laughs> because they're fans of the brewery and i think that's just so cool that's great gorgeous gorgeous yeah that's beautiful i didn't realize and of course i'm perspective on it other than what i hear on the podcast and see on your instagram or whatever of the uh, the scale of this thing until you were into it and until several times a day you were posting videos for another beer and like holy shit even even when i saw the list of the breweries and the beers the scale didn't it was just a list you know but then when i saw how much how much was going in like when you said you're busy with it i whew, i understood that because of the, <laughs> the amount that goes in but you you've you and the people that you've been working with have done such a great job documenting all this and and, and showing it to everybody, which leads me to the question is, how many people are really involved in Vox and Hops at this point? Uh, Vox and Hops really is myself, uh, my wife, Jessica, who's the producer of the podcast. I got Chris Kells, who's the video content director. There's Mihaela Petrescu, who is uh, my official photographer. I have a team of five people that write music reviews for me. Yeah. who I met at the Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs, uh, which is something that started during the pandemic, where for basically from the beginning of the pandemic until September 1st of 2020, I hung out with them every Thursday <laughs> for, for nice. multiple, multiple hours. Right. And, and I've made lifelong friends there. Since then, I hang out with them once a month. <laughs> And that is transformed into something else. But they still hang out every Thursday. It's right. amazing. And a bunch of them actually drove and came from everywhere for the the, the Cold Haze Warm Blood um, launch last week. It was really cool. Uh, so there's five people there. There's Jerry Monk that uh, is my metal architect. He curates a – it's a monthly playlist, but every week he adds new, uh, very cool, extreme, underground albums to a playlist called Brutal Awakenings. And uh, then there's four other individuals that rule, uh, that write reviews for me. There's Dan, Jim, Dan, Jimbo, um, Evan, and Philip, who are Whispers from the Void podcast. They do video reviews for me. And uh, Jerry, uh, the metal architect that also writes reviews for me. Yeah, that's a lot of people, but it seems it seems to work pretty uh, pretty well, obviously. Um, the amount of stuff that you got coming out, just again, I, the, the only thing that I really use is Instagram, but just seeing on there and and uh, going off of what you do on the podcast, it's just impressive. As as somebody who does a a one person thing here, that I do like I said, one episode a week, I know how much trouble that is just to do that, especially with the family. Like that's the yeah, and the job. Like right, you know, I'm I'm working a real yep. job too, and 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 doing this. So so to add all that other stuff that you did, uh, good for you. Well done. Um, it's always a good idea, you know. It's like, this is a good idea. I should. It's not that much more time. I'm just going to do this one more thing, and then I find myself doing everything at once. But, but. I, I think. I think at this point, I probably could do your whole intro to every video that you did there. <laughs> just, just so I can't imagine how many times you actually did it. But, but yeah. Um, so. So you did all these collaborations and uh, with all these breweries, and, and but I think I I think I heard you mention, and I was surprised by it, so I might be wrong by it on on the this is brutal North America episode that you had more breweries lined up that were interested. I had people that were interested, and I had no bands to pair them. That with. seems totally backwards to me. How did, where, yeah. is that? It just happens. It just there was there was one in particular that I teamed up, and the band just did it. Just didn't fit, right. and I couldn't find anyone else. 
And then I tried to find another brewery for that band. It didn't work. And I tried to find another band for that brewery. It was from a very big state, which is giving you a hint. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was just too far to, to pair them with, with a band that made sense that could actually come to a brew day. Huh. Then there's other ones that did. It just, it's, it just sometimes it didn't work. So was, I got hit up by a bunch of other breweries once I announced it, too. So we'll see. We'll right. see what happens in the future. Is this a thing that you anticipate being... Uh, ongoing a yearly thing an annual is it a i it's going to be something different it's going to be an evolution of things i really want brutal north america the end goal of brutal north america which i'm going to build up towards is it to be a full-fledged tour okay yeah that's very cool where where you know there's a sick lineup of bands that all enjoy craft beer that hits your city and hit every other city that a tour would hit and then at the show, if possible, which is the big if and a difficult thing with working with beer because of liquor laws and yeah. stuff like that, I'd like to have collabs in each city brewed for the bands or brewed especially for the event at the venue. Yeah. If not, it would be pre-show or after-show parties oh, where a, the collabs are available. That's a very good, that's a very good idea and uh, I think a cool way to, to evolve it. Um, speaking of evolution, you mentioned a little bit of how how the podcast had has evolved itself from just initially being about the vocalists and the beer. But how else? How else do you think? How do you think you've evolved as a podcast host? And I think I'm a lot more comfortable doing the more press orientated interviews, which was something that I wouldn't be ready to do at first. Mm-hmm. At first, I was really just hanging out with my friends. Right. I think the first 80 episodes were, were just me hanging out with my friends and asking them questions Yeah, with, with no end goal in sight. Now when I construct an interview, typically when it's sent to me from a publicist, I, I have to talk about something. So, so I think that I'm sure. much more prepared and organized to, to construct an interview. I think that that's how I've involved the most, for sure. That's a, that's a tough one, and I don't... Because obviously I do some similar things, too. I have my way of doing it. I always have a... I always have a sheet that I write up, you know, yeah. before, even yeah. if, even if I don't use it, I just, I write down things that I think I should say or ask about, you know, and, it, and especially if it's, uh, you know, things coming through press, sometimes I'm not too familiar with who I'm talking to or what their music is or what, you know, and, uh, sometimes I've barely listened to it. So, yeah, yeah. so you know, highly, highly <laughs> selective highly yeah. selective with who i do interviews with and there has to be a reason why i'm doing an interview but i have like this and you who've listened to episodes you you yeah. understand that i do i have a format right you have a pretty pretty solid yeah. that works yeah and i and i and as much as it sounds hypothetically maybe redundant but that i asked a lot of the same people the same questions there's reasons why i ask those questions what is the soundtrack of your youth mm-hmm. through that question it's not what music did you listen to. It's what music did your parents listen to. From that, I can come find out if they're from a broken home, right. what their kids, what their they were like as children. How did their parents accept them becoming musicians, extreme musicians? I love when I hear that their parents didn't like it, and I love to pry into that. <laughs> what was your first beer? Do you drink? That's that's like I don't drink. I do drink. I don't drink very often. You can. There's so many. This through those two questions. What was your first show? It's like I can. There's a multitude of conversation paths that open up through those questions. That's something I didn't have at the first. Right, right. That's that's similar to well, that's a better version of me asking people how they got involved in in the music, um, and uh, and I and I like the way you do it. And you brought up a lot of good points there. The one, the one. Uh, oh shit! What was I? Just, you just said something that 
jog my memory of the way you ask a question. Whatever, I have to come back to it. But uh, well, no, tell me about the 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 hot sauce collaboration because that's like a yeah, thing that go. exists. Yeah. But you touch on it, I hear it in ads, and but I don't think you've ever gone deep into it that I've heard. So where, where did the uh, yeah? So Heart, Heartbeat Hot Sauce Company. Well, I was talking about that early scene in Montreal of the English scene. Uh, playing those shows organized by James Arsinian, Big Metal James. He was the drummer of Inve, the dude that left Montreal, went to Thunder Bay, started Heartbeat Hot Sauce Company with his wife. It just blew up. It's mm-hmm. like he started making hot sauce and it just took off. And he was on Hot Ones two, three times, I want to say. So I hit him up. I was in the process of thinking of starting to to do some ads, some ad reads for the podcast and thinking, what do I love? I love beer. I love metal. There's no money in either of those. <laughs> Just money to spend. Yeah. How can I make money? Yeah. I was like, hot sauce. Al, let's 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 talk to Al. So I set up a conversation, and he actually pitched it to me after. He was like, "Do you ever like think of having ads?" I was like, "Fuck yes, I do." <laughs> You're waiting and for that, just, yeah. And it just it just worked, and it was great, and I loved his product. It's delicious stuff. Uh, if I'm going to do an ad, it has to be something that I'm absolutely in love with, uh, something that I stand behind. Same thing with coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, I would equally do something with coffee. Love it. Cryptopsy did the, the Grindcore coffee uh, because I was in conversations with them about doing a hypothetical sponsorship thing. Um, I teamed up with Indie Merch, too. Um, just right. Cryptopsy works with them all the time. It has to be like that. So, um, Al, I knew because I'm friends with the agonist that he had done a rebranded sauce for them for one of their tours. So I was like, this is super cool. Uh, Bourbon North America is coming. Uh, let me ask Al if he'd be interested in doing a rebrand. And he was, it was like immediate. Yes, let's do this. How many, how many do we need to do? Um, it's going to cost this much for that. Um, I can do that for you as a part of an extra sponsorship for the, for the project. He, um, got onto the cans as nice, a part of yeah. that. He got onto the merchandise as a part of that. It was uh, super easy, and it was so cool. It's so cool to see like a a different label on a, on a product, and he loves that too. So it, it was easy, and I chose the sauce that I love the most, and I'm just I'm super happy with it. And he shipped uh, 48 bottles to each brewery, and 40 of them were for the clients, and eight were for the staff and for the the band. So. It was all about spreading the love and getting the, the Heartbeat Hot Sauce name out there because it's delicious. He's also teamed up with uh, Dustin Poirier, who just won yeah, that fight yeah. there. So so Al's in good hands with everyone. Yeah, he sounds like he's doing great then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's really cool to hear how many of these things um, around Vox and Hops have truly evolved from, or not evolved, but can't it's come from the community. Chips. Yeah, That's all it is. Yeah. Same thing with Yakima Chiefs getting involved. Mm-hmm. In in Brutal North America, I'm friends with the um, now he's the Canadian rep of Yakima Chiefs, right. and uh, he just got promoted. And he sent me a picture of Chris Topsy because yeah. he lives close to the brewery. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. I'm actually doing this whole thing. And he's like, well, maybe Yakima Chiefs can help you. And I was like, okay, let's set up a meeting. And he's like, yeah, we can help you. We'll send. Uh, 20 kilos, which is two big boxes of hops, mm-hmm. to each brewery that's going to be a part of it, just like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's smart on his side. It's, it's client acquisition, right? A lot of you know, some as, of these breweries were not clients, and there's a lot of competitors in the hop world. I love Yakima Chiefs, and I've had Luke on the podcast before because I know Luke is the Yakima Chief friend that I have. Uh, because I know that he's a metalhead. I met him at a chemist show when I was interviewing Zach Coleman, who is the head brewer of True Brewing in yeah, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. He also plays drum and chemist. He's friends with Luke because Luke sells him hops. It's this vicious, small world. And I met Luke. I was doing an interview, and we got up at one of my favorite bars called Harry Canna, Barasity Harry Canna. And there was Luke, and that's how I met Luke. It's Everything is a connection of web. It's a beautiful, connective web. Well, I'll connect to the web a little more there, just vaguely. But um, but chemist, my first, that's the first interview I ever did on this. No way. <laughs> it was with Ben, but yeah. Um, and... And Yakima, like like I showed you here on this can, I know, that's, yeah. that I bought this. I mean, I probably would have probably would have picked up the the beer anyway because of the brewery it came from. But I bought it because of that logo, because of it being on your things, you know. Because so so there you go. You can tell him that you're selling his stuff somewhere. Else. <laughs> you know? But um, he, he actually came. He came to the the launch the other day too. It was really fun. Well, so for all these beers, I assume. You know, one of the unfortunate things about craft brewing is that distribution is a motherfucker, right? So, with all these brutal North America beers, these are all probably, I assume, and maybe I'm wrong, mostly available only at breweries, or are these things... Some of them get distribution and depended upon the brewery itself. There was right. no stipulations, there was no... They said, is there any... Some people wanted, is there a limit? Do I have to make so many? A volume mm-hmm. max or a volume quota? And I was like, you make what you want. Right. This is your decision. I'm encouraging you to make it small, make it hype, make it gone. So there were some breweries that had distribution that went out there. Uh, the Cannery Brewing Unleash the Archers Brew got distributed into Alberta and British Columbia in Canada. Um, this one, Kanawaki, is a, actually on a native territory. So it, it falls into these very rigid rules that he cannot distribute his beer. You have to go to the brewery to pick it up. Um, a few other ones here in Quebec did get distributed, but it, it's really a, a case by case um, issue with, or like case by case um, predetermination of what the brewery is already doing. So right, 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 you'd have to contact the brewery and see if it's available to get the beer. A lot of them are sold out too. Yeah, because I encourage them to make it hype and <laughs> exclusive. Sell it out because I like that. <laughs> I'd rather not be there than to watch a beer die on a shelf. Well, well, it's just all these collaborations. Is there is is there a favorite? Do you have you have you tried all? I of them? have not tasted them all because I knew it was a very high profile uh, event, so I didn't encourage people to ship me illegal stuff because it's sadly <laughs> illegal to ship beer. But I did taste most of the Quebec ones. Uh, of the ones that I've tasted from Quebec, uh, this one is really, really up there. It's really, really very good. But there's also a uh, Ritzien Peche, an incandescence, that did a imperial stout with hazelnuts and pecans. 10%. It's to die for. It's, I think it's my favorite one out of the ones that I've tasted. Ah, very cool. The uh, w- Well, all right, so let's not limit it to, to the brutal North America beers. What is your favorite collab beer that you've had? Oh. There's so many fun ones. That's that, that's where it all started, right? I was on tour with Obituary and Cannibal Corpse, and and we go through Chicago, 
and the three Floyds dudes come right, out, right. and they bring out Amber Smash Face and <laughs> Hopped in Half, and I was just in love. I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like, why can't Cryptopsy get this? How do we do this? This is just the coolest thing ever. So, so I think th- those are definitely heavy and high up there. Amber Smash Face was really damn good. That's funny. I, I, I feel like any band, every band wants a beer now. But it doesn't seem like it's... That's why I was surprised to hear that there was willing breweries, but not no bands to pair them up with. I just mentioned... That's why I started with the breweries, though. Yeah. Because if you start yeah. with the bands... Yeah. Everybody's it's, it's gonna, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, that, that story... Although there were some bands that said no to me because they were already involved with other breweries. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the three Floyds, Floyds thing surprised, or reminds me of... I took a. I was living in Baltimore for a few years, and I took a uh, when King Diamond was doing a tour, like the first big tour that he did when he came back. Came back. Um, we took a. We rented a party bus, you know, and, and Brewers Art, one of the local breweries in Baltimore. Somebody from Brewers Art came along, and they brought a keg, what they called Abigail. Which, amazing. <laughs> which you know, is corny. Funny. It's corny and stupid. No, it's amazing. And, and I don't remember. I don't even remember what the beer tasted like. But it, it will always, I'll always it's remember. Like an, ab- an Abbey and Abigail. Yeah, yeah. I always remember that it was a Brewers Art keg of Abigail. Abigail. That's yeah, that's amazing. Cryptopsy. We have one that in like written on my phone. The the Abbey Gore. <laughs> <laughs> we have a song called Abbey Gore. Yeah. Yeah. How does Vox and Hops? the podcast continue with cryptopsy assuming to go out on the road at some point in the near future now that things are open up again it's going to be exactly like it was before i'll just interview everyone i'm on tour with and any town i go through with i have friends everywhere so so i'll have return guests i haven't had very many return guests so it's it's just it's not going to be difficult (laughs) do you do you think that this this type of interview goes away the, you doing no, things I'm over definitely definitely keeping because it's so easy with the family yeah it's amazing i do i typically i set up interviews on specific days like like yourself right i i do interviews on thursday nights and saturday afternoons saturday afternoons to accommodate the european right. guests right. so those like european guests slots like at night my kids are sleeping but i'm with my kids up until like five minutes before i sit down here that was me <laughs> tonight know? yeah <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, so, so then I sit down and I do this and then, you know, I go and meet them at the park, like right afterwards versus going to a show. Yeah. I'd be gone for hours and I would have to eat out and I would have to, I would, we'd finish this interview. I would drink another beer. It's, it's like a natural humanistic thing. It's like, now we're not recording. Let's be humans together. Whereas, whereas internet wise, it's like, we're done. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) I hate looking at a screen. Goodbye. Yeah. The, the, all right. So this is a, the, uh, kind of off track, but the that's it seems like the hardest thing for me to do with some people is just to get them to realize we're done, <laughs> like without oh, without. No, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really good. At without that. me saying, "Hey, that's it. Like we're good." Um, I, I always I have the perfect line. My kids are locked in a room. <laughs> is what I say. <laughs> Not really, but they really are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good one. All right. Well, hey, you know what? I just remembered the question that I was going to ask earlier. That was about how what I thought you did was really cool was I think it was the month of February. You sober did the February. sober February. Yeah. And uh, and like there's 
I forget the guy's name, but I love the band Solstafir, and like that episode was super interesting to me because yeah. I, I knew he was a sober guy. I knew like, but what what made you do that? What was the what was the idea of seeing the sober moth? See, I love these like themes and concepts, and and if you look at it, it's like I started sober February and planning sober February in November. Right. So so, and I was hustling. I, I'm gonna do it again, but I'm gonna plan earlier because I want to get bigger stars or bigger no no offense to everyone that I had on that <laughs> sounded horrible I want to I take that back that was not nice um, it was a, a hustle trying to find people that actually want to talk about it yeah I'd imagine to be open about it but I found you know Addy from Souls to Fear is very public about his, his sobriety uh, Matt Young from King Parrot is extremely open about it and that was an amazing episode so interesting and then I had a bunch of local breweries that have been doing just a bunch of killer killer non-alcoholic beer and I wanted to showcase them specifically St. Buck who started this whole new brand to survive because St. Buck is like really like a very cool tap house in downtown Montreal they were one of the first people that said come to the bar do an interview here we'll give you free beer for you and your guest just talk about the bar so I was like, yes. So I love them. I did countless interviews there. And then pandemic hit and they were suffering, suffering very badly. But they reinvented themselves to be the best non-alcoholic beer. So I wanted to showcase that. Hmm. And uh, the, I had the nutritional science doctor yeah. <laughs> who talked about the basis, the session basis for Ahab, who, who talked about the what happens when you really drink and it's really bad for us. But that was a sobering <laughs> experience. And I was, and I, I really had to hustle to get it all done because I had to conduct all the interviews in January mm-hmm. so that I had the content ready for for February. It was it was really an intense, intense month, but I was still scheduled to do the typical interview. So I was doing interviews like five days a week during January to get that ready going. So I'm going to plan it a little bit more in advance. But I think having a balance and, and having a craft beer podcast where I'm constantly promoting people to drink, I think it's the good karma is at least to have one month to, to promote balance. And, and it is dangerous. It's, it's a very, very addictive substance substance that has has brought a lot of harm and pain into people's lives so i think it's important to talk about that sometimes to, to realize that sometimes we need to stop and yeah. to take a step back and february only has 28 days most, most <laughs> you years, picked so the shortest one yeah i absolutely <laughs> did and uh it felt good and i was sober throughout the whole month too and uh, it felt good i was sleeping great and uh, I'm definitely going to do it again and uh, with, with, with more guests. And as I take back what I said before, that wasn't the right words. <laughs> yeah, it's not, was, I, think it's a, I think it's a really cool concept. And uh, it's just another, another good idea that you've had. I've been, I've been very impressed, as, as I think I've mentioned a few times, it's just what you've been able to do with, with this. Like you, you, you found a niche and then you built several things on top of it. That, uh, I have another one that didn't work. I was really trying to make it happen. Was I wanted to speak with metal athletes? I don't think there's many of them. Are there? Well, I got Josh Barnett. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Warmaster. Yeah. Based based upon that, but when we just ended up having a conversation. But I really wanted to have like metal athletes and and anyways, I had this whole whole thing planned out that that one didn't see some ideas just don't pan out but it doesn't mean it's not going to work later but that was that was another one that i really appreciated because i was I, I used to love i used to love mma back when he was 
back when he was the babyface assassin. And so it was amazing. So it was, it was great. You know what? I excellent podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was that was that was an awesome one. I was I was very happy to see that one on there, especially when, you know, as as I mentioned before, if I see there's a there's a hundred music podcasts like mine that are just talking to, so throwing in Josh Barnett and talking about beer. That's great. You know, I know that guy's a metalhead. I know he's a world class. You know. Uh, athlete, or at least was at one point, you know, and uh, it's very cool. Anyway, okay, so build off of that last question, any big bucket list guests from beer or music world that you'd like to get on Box and Hops? Yeah, yeah, I had three Floyds on. I would love to do that one again. We had a bunch of technical issues. It was a difficult um, interview to 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 connect with them. Yeah. On, on more trends than <laughs> <laughs> but I pieced it together the The episode is still a good episode I, I just don't feel that we, we connected as deep as we would have had we been together um, I want to redo that for sure that's one definitely um, there's like huge like childhood people that I love speaking of a sober February I would love to get um, Jonathan Davis yeah that would be yeah. or, or Brian head well yeah so both of those would be really cool sober february um guests um i would also really really like to get and i know this is like a tricky one and i i'm someone just i said this on another podcast recently and he said do you really want to get this guy i would love to get maynard from tool and he said do you really want to get him because he might leave a sour taste if he doesn't take it seriously but i think that i you know i've interviewed guar right i can get through an interview with maynard that's being sassy right um <laughs> mike Patton. i'm circling mike Patton. yeah that's done, that's you know, fair i've done trace browns i've done i've done Dwayne. i've done uh, just recently justin pearson yes Thank you, yeah. and uh, I was like, Justin which is a good Jim. one. I was just listening to that the other day, and that was a that was a great one. Like, oh, he was, I, he so was awesome. Cool. Yeah, he was so cool. Yeah, um, so that was a Saturday afternoon one. That was yeah. so cool. I finished that, and then we finished that, and he's like, "That was amazing." <laughs> Keep drinking. And uh, <laughs> how about when you come off the ones that were terrible? <laughs> no, I haven't. I've that been very, 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 very lucky. Oh man, I've had a few that we get off. My wife's. How was it? Like, uh, you know, it'll. <laughs> The beer always helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either either my confidence goes up or their like their their inhibitions go down. It's true. So it's, either either way, I'm going to have fun. See, you nailed it. You nailed it with your concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's an icebreaker. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Whether whether they like it or not, like if they're a fan or not. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah. And, and the more I go, the more people I talk to that don't even drink. I've noticed. I've noticed there have been just, quite a few that aren't interested. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. I got a fridge full of free beer that I got to promote. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's as good of reason as any, right? Exactly. All right, Matt. Well, I think we should. I think we should wrap it up here. Anything else? To did we miss anything? I'm taking a month off in August. Okay. One full month, no episodes, and then I'm coming back in September with one episode a week. Oh. For for the next little while just just to to give space for other projects right that i want to work upon and uh, as you do things you learn Bruno north america was very fun very enjoyable but it took a lot of time mm-hmm. so if i want to build cool things in the future i need to scale back on other things to allow my life to be enjoyable for everyone 
including right. my family, work life, and everything I'm doing. So you yeah. live and you learn. Um, one episode a week, uh, always presented by Heavy Montreal. And uh, it's going to be cool. I'm, I'm excited to see how I uh, evolve and take my social media to the next level, trying to, to create more content with the same content. That's something that I'm that I'm looking forward to trying to experiment with. Right. Well, that's awesome. I, and, and I love what you've done before, and I'm looking forward to what you got next. Uh, Thank you, Dan. Great talking to you, Matt. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, take it easy. Cheers. Later.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Matt McGacky of Cryptopsy and Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. If you're a fan of heavy metal and beer, I can't recommend that podcast enough. And of course, the band Cryptopsy, top tier death metal for many, many years now. The song you just heard was Sire of Sin. That was Matt on vocals, by the way. If I didn't need to point that out, now you know for sure. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Again, thanks, Matt. Um, if you're looking for a way to support Vox and Hops podcast, go follow the Instagram at Vox and Hops. Um, and uh, you can look for the links in their link tree. I just I just bought a, a sweet hat f- from them, and uh, I'm pretty stoked on that. And you can go there, buy tank tops, t-shirts, hats. I'm sure there's plenty of other things you can do to support Vox and Hops podcast. If you're wondering what you can do to support Getting It Out podcast, well, there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash gettingitoutpodcast, where it's got three tiers of rewards. Either way, you get something physical in the mail, even if you sign up for a $1 tier. So... If you're interested in doing that, please go to patreon.com slash getting it out podcast. I hate pushing that, but that's uh, that's, that's part of the job, I guess. Um, what's coming next for getting it out podcast? Well, I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I'm not going to tell you. So you'll have to wait to find out next week. But to get some hints, some clues, check out the playlist and all that stuff. Uh, go follow at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast on Instagram or facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. The website, as always, as it's been for the last two years, is, is in the works and on the way. One of these days, you'll see it eventually. Until then, keep supporting this by just listening to it. That's all I need you to do. If you're a regular listener, a new listener, or either one, you can uh, email me, dan at gettingitout.net, with any questions, comments, uh, concerns. If you have concerns, it'd be an odd thing to email me about your concerns, but I'll answer them. I'll, 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 I'll address them the best I can. Dan at gettingitout.net. Most importantly, the, the way that most people use that email address is to send in music, their music, that they would like to be played on the show. And I love doing that. So I'm going to play one of those submissions now. This is from Dumb Waiter. The song is called LTMBCN. It was recorded with Kevin Bernston in Baltimore's Developing Nation studio. I recorded two records with him one, once upon a time. Uh, good guy, good studio. Uh, it was mastered by James Plotkin. Anyway, they're from Richmond, Virginia. That plays, I don't know what you describe this as. I see some descriptions that are avant-garde jazz rock. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. There's some industrial noise. There's a... Uh, Something, somebody said power violence. I'm not sure where that comes from. Math, rock, experimental, all those things kind of happen in just this one song from Dumb Waiters. So if you can imagine a whole album of it, that's what their fourth album, Tisk, sounds like. And you should check that out. ASAP. Once again, this track is called LTMBCN by Richmond, Virginia's Dumb Waiter. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.